Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture. I'm your host, Cherie Sims. As always, I like to start with the peak and pit of my day. The peak and pit are something that we do at dinner time with the family. It's where we share the best and worst part of our day, and it's a way that we are able to connect with each other and get a window into one another's day. So the pit of my day, I didn't actually have a pit today. It's been a pretty good day. Um, And the peak of my day was I went to Walgreens to buy some bug repellent. Well, maybe that's the pit of my day. We're getting eaten up by bugs in our house because it's summertime and they're coming in. So I went to Walgreens to get some bug repellent. And when I was in line, there was this old man in front of me and he was so cute. You know, he was like old with the long gray hair and he had a hat on and he was kind of hunched over with his coat on. And he starts looking in the candy section for a Babe Ruth bar. And he asks the guy at the register, is there a Babe Ruth around here? And he was for real, y'all, like he really wanted his chocolate bar. He was looking hard all around the register for a Babe Ruth. So I stepped out of line to go to the actual candy section to find him a Babe Ruth. And I came back and I said, here. And the way he looked at me was just the sweetest thing. He looked at me and his mouth dropped and he was like, oh thank you. Thank you so much. And he just looked in disbelief as if I just bought him the Babe Ruth company. And all I did was find him the Babe Ruth bar. Like I didn't even buy it for him. (laughs) I just found it and gave it to him. And as he was buying it, he turned around and he's like, there are still some good people in this world. And it just made me feel really good to see this old man be happy about his candy bar. And it made me you know, realize like it's so easy to make someone's day and you feel good doing it. So that was definitely the peak of my day. So let's get into it. Today, I want to talk about disappointment and how to deal with your child's disappointment. And I want to talk about this today because it's actually something I've been dealing with lately in my house. I think it's just like kind of a combination of the end of the school year. And again, I homeschool my children. So Our end of the school year is like me thinking that I'm going to get off work, which it's a lie. (laughs) Nothing, nothing changed. I don't have to like plan and teach curriculum. But I, in my mind, thought that I was like going to have a break and I was tired at the end of the year. Some of y'all know that we just moved in April and it was a very abrupt and big major move with a lot of life changes. So mentally, emotionally, physically, I have been exhausted. So I found myself slipping into a place of like, yeah, do it, whatever. So my children would be like, mom, can I watch TV? I'd say, no, you guys already watched an hour of TV. And then everybody would be like, please, we really want to, but we didn't get to finish. And I just want to watch this new and this thing is coming out. And me being tired, overwhelmed and exhausted, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yes, fine. Watch it. And we've had days where there the TV has been on for hours. Mind you, we're in that summer gap of like, we finished the school year, we haven't yet started camps. Uh, and I'm trying to tell myself like, it's okay to rest, but I still have a problem with lots of TV because it turns people into crazy monsters by the end of the day. Um, and this yes thing has also been happening even with food, right? Like my husband has events at the library. We have a library of poetry and in touch with a bunch of poets. So there's always poetry events. And at these events, there's a wealth of food and snacks. And a lot of times these snacks come home with us, but the snacks that come home are often chips and bags of cookies. So lately we've had an influx of like these foods that I don't normally buy that are in the house. And again, it'll be like, what do you guys want for lunch? I just want cookies. And I'm like, nah, y'all got to eat some something healthy first. Like, let's do your healthy foods. No, I want cookies. Remember, I have four-year-old twins, so theirs are the most dramatic reaction to it. 
And again, I'm tired, overwhelmed and exhausted. So I'll be like, whatever, have the cookies, (laughs) like whatever we got to do so that I can rest. And my days still weren't even restful because you have behavioral issues and fighting when you just have people at home watching TV and eating sugar all day. However, we have had a good week of sitting around watching TV all day and eating sugar. And it has led to more sibling issues, whether that be who's sitting on the couch where and the fact that they were sitting on that couch in that spot before the person got there, or I was about to drink from that cup. Y'all, stuff like that always kills me. I'm like, in your head, you were about to get the cup that you don't yet have and they got it first and now we have a problem? (laughs) Like that stuff always drives me crazy. But anyways, we've had a lot of that. Maybe just yesterday, I was like, Sharice, you gotta get back to setting boundaries and having some type of consistency and structure and routine, like something, because this quote rest, unquote, is pretty unrestful. So you know, the children ask me again, can we watch this thing? And I'm like, no, you guys have watched an hour, an hour, half of TV. It's time to turn it off. You guys can play outside. And of course, I have six different variations of mommy. No, but I want to. But it's this and it's new. And I had to say to myself mentally, like, we got to get out of this. You got to stick to your boundary. This is too much TV. Just tell them no again. And this initial like trying to re-implement the boundaries and the structure, it's hard because your children are now kind of used to you saying yes. So when they don't, they throw a fit. And it's easy for our generation. You know, we were raised with when we threw a fit, like everybody's telling us that we're using the behavior to manipulate them. And they're like, that crying, that's not going to get the TV back on. Oh, I'll show you something to cry about, right? This is how... Even me, like I want to respond this way because I feel personally offended. I feel like they are doing this because they want me to give in. And it does work to a certain extent. Like I am tired. So these emotions feel like bricks on top of me where the pressure makes me want to give in. But I know that I'm going to regret it later. Anyways, that story is to say why I want to talk about disappointment today. And I will start with the fact that my inconsistency and my unwillingness or unwanting to stick to boundaries and stick to my no is part of what led to this disappointment. So one of the things that I want to share first is like when we're thinking about our children's behavior, thinking about their disappointments or their tantrums or whatever we want to call it, we have to remember our role in it, right? Are we being consistent with the things that we tell our children? Are we being consistent with the structure that we're setting for them? Are we being consistent with the boundaries and the routine? And so by that, I mean, my days are much easier with them when I have a boundary and a structure for when, where, and how we can use TV and devices. So during the school year, a lot of times it was the TV and devices are off until everybody's done with their work, until rooms are cleaned up. Once they're on, we have everybody gets like an hour or an hour and a half, depending on what you know, they're doing and what the show is. I recognize that sometimes movies are longer than an hour. So one movie or two episodes, something along those lines, right? And it's a lot easier to deal with 
all of it for all of us because everybody knows they're like, okay, she said two episodes, we watched two episodes, it's time to turn it off. And generally, especially for the older ones, they will just turn it off after two episodes. Sometimes they'll try to sneak in a third episode and act like, oh, I didn't realize another episode came on. But for the most part, they're pretty good at turning it off because that's the structure, that's the routine, that's the boundary, that's the expectation. Even for my little ones, the four-year-old twins, they're pretty good at this point at four years old after practicing for four years. Now, I didn't give them tablets and devices that one year, but y'all know what I'm saying. But after practicing, they're pretty good at watching a limited amount of time or doing a game on there for a limited amount of time and understanding and recognizing when that time ends and then giving it back. For them, It might look like when that game ends, it's time to turn off the TV or give the device back. Or when the timer goes off, it's time to give it back. Or when that show ends. So I try to give them clear guidelines so that they on their own independently can understand when the time is up. And like I said, they're pretty good at giving it back. So for us as parents, we want to recognize our role in it and where we can empower ourselves by creating boundaries and sticking to those boundaries. And another thing I'll say is that when we are creating these boundaries in this structure, invite your children in to do it with you. I have oftentimes explained to my children why we only watch a certain amount of TV or are on devices for a certain amount of time. And on the days that maybe they were on a device super late at night for an extended period of time, or maybe they snuck it and were on it, the next day they might be cranky or tired. I'll point that out and say, do you notice how today you're a little cranky or tired? Like what was different about yesterday? Oh, you were on the device late at night. So do you see why we have this in place? And the reason I share this is because I think it's important to get buy-in from your children and to get cooperation from them. So rather than just telling them, here are the boundaries, here's what it is, here's the structure, I'll invite them in and ask them, well, what do you think is fair? If they tell me four hours of TV is fair to them, (laughs) I might entertain it and ask them questions, or I might just tell them, absolutely not. Like that, that is just an unreasonable period of time. What can we come up with together that works for you and for me? So that's number one. Now let's move into disappointment and when it actually happens because a lot of times disappointment can be very hard for adults and children. And I will also share that part of the reason I wanted to talk about this today was because one of my friends called me today and she's like, girl, what is our friend doing? I have to just keep calling friend because I don't want to call nobody out on this podcast. But she said, what is our girl doing? I know you saw her. I saw you watching her live. I saw her too. We got to talk to her. So one of our friends is going through a very big life event and it is full of disappointments. And it dawned on me that this friend is an adult that literally does not know how to deal with disappointment And she is losing her mind, y'all. She is on the internet putting out all her business in all the unhealthy ways. And I wish I had a therapist that I could just send to her door because she needs somebody to talk to and the internet is not it. Y'all, if you're going through a hard time, please don't go to the internet for healing. That's not your space. That's not a safe space to air all your stuff when you're in the thick of the smoke going through it. So anyways... I realized that like for a lot of us, we were just shut down when we were disappointed and we were not ever really taught how to deal with disappointment. And now we become adults who face disappointments and have a really hard time 
regulating our adult emotions and figuring out how to move on from disappointment as adults. Like it either lingers with us and just builds and builds resentment and a wealth of other negative feelings, or we respond and react emotionally and we make all of these emotional decisions that lack all kinds of logic and reason. And they're just not the best choices for us, the people around us, our children if we have them. And so I think it's a really important skill to be able to tell our children no, our children be disappointed about that, and then teach our children how to deal with disappointment. So I want to start with Robert Plutchik. I think I'm saying his name right. I could be saying it wrong. But he came up with the wheel of emotions theory, which includes eight different emotions. And this is actually the wheel of emotions is something that I have tangibly in my classroom at my house where you can actually kind of spin it, look around the wheel and choose which emotion you're feeling. Sometimes it helps to be able to visibly see things. And if you've listened to other episodes, we have talked about having different visuals for your children. So this is even something you can have in the house. You can draw this, you can go on Google and print it out. But these different emotions include joy, trust, fear, surprise, sadness, disgust, anger, and anticipation. And if you notice, a lot of those feelings are actually some of the characters on the Inside Out movie, which you've probably heard me talk about because I love that movie. But these are, based on his theory, kind of our core emotions that we feel. Now, notice disappointment was not one of those. Based on this theory, disappointment is somewhere in between when we are in between emotions and trying to figure out what we're feeling and finding how this experience is affecting us, disappointment is almost a mashup of fear, anger, sadness. And that's why disappointment can feel so hard to deal with because you're usually not just dealing with one emotion. If we were dealing with sadness alone, it would be easier. If we were dealing with anger alone, it would be easier. But the fact that disappointment is a mashup of different emotions on top of one another, it makes it that much harder to deal with. One, it makes it harder to identify exactly what I'm feeling. Like, yes, we can use the word disappointment and place that on it, but it's hard sometimes to kind of dissect it and figure out exactly what we're disappointed about. So understanding a little bit about what disappointment is and why it can feel so hard, remember that for your children, they don't even have a fully developed brain. So as hard as disappointment is for us, to deal with and respond to, it's even harder for them because they just have all these feelings. They may not even be able to put words to all the feelings. They may not be able to dissect it, but that is what we're there for. As the caregiver, as the parent, we are here to help be their perspective, help be their more mature part of their brain and give them that logic and reasoning. But there are you know, ways that we have to do it. So first, I want to talk a little bit about how do we deal with disappointment as an adult? As an adult, we deal with disappointment by, one, letting it out, whether that means talking to a friend, writing in a journal, taking a walk. We've got to let it out and regulate our own emotions. And a lot of times, things like walking, dancing, um, moving our bodies, these are things that help our actual nervous system and our bodies to regulate. And as I'm talking about how we as adults can deal with disappointment, I want you to take note because this is the same way that we're going to help our children to deal with regulating themselves and dealing with disappointment. Two, we want to get perspective. 
When we are in the thick of the smoke, it's hard for us to see clearly. So sometimes we want to talk to a friend and a trusted person, not the internet. Talk to a trusted person to kind of help you gain clarity over the situation and get a clearer perspective. And when I say talk to someone, don't just talk to anybody. <laughs> like we have a tendency to go to the person who's going to say the thing that we want to hear. That's not helping us get clarity because they're just saying what we're already saying to ourselves. Find a therapist if you need a therapist. The third thing you want to do is accept it, right? A hard part about disappointment is that we have a hard time accepting it. And when we can't accept it, we cannot move on from it. And that's kind of where this idea of holding your boundaries with your kids come in. Because how can they accept a boundary if your boundary keeps changing? How can they accept the structure if the consistency is not there? So again, we want to have those boundaries. We want to be consistent because part of dealing with disappointment is being able to accept the no or whatever it was that led us to the disappointment. And as the adults in their lives, we have to set up the ability for them to be able to accept it, to move on from it. Four, we want to seek support if you need it, right? If you can't get through this, seek support. Find a therapist, a trusted friend. I have a hard time saying a trusted friend because I don't always think friends tell us what we need to hear. So I, my first go-to is definitely like find a professional to support you with these things. And then number five, we want to move on. We want to empower ourselves. We want to find out what we can do next. And these are the same things that we're going to do with our children. So with our children, if we as adults have to let it out, we have to create a safe space for them as children to let it out. And sometimes that does look like them stomping their feet. And sometimes it does look like them throwing something or yelling at you or doing all these things that we label as disrespectful. But in those moments, and in those moments, these behaviors are most likely going to trigger you the same way that they trigger me. But just remind yourself, my child is not giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time. Your child is not out to disrespect you. They're disappointed and they don't know how to deal with their disappointment. And this does not mean let them kick and throw things and yell. But we're going to get to that step because it's very hard to teach your children what they can do when they're in the midst of being upset and disappointed. You have to regulate first, right? We talked about let it out and regulate your emotions. So step one with our children is listen to them, validate them. Validating them does not sound like, yeah, girl, throw throw that remote because it's time to turn off the TV. That's okay. It doesn't mean, yes, yell at me and hit me because I told you to turn off the TV. That is not validation. Validation is not telling them that the behavior is acceptable. Validation sounds like, I understand you really wanted to watch more TV and that can be really upsetting that it's time to turn it off. I get that. I also enjoy watching TV and don't like to turn it off sometimes. Or... I really understand you wanted to stay at the park for longer today. Unfortunately, it's time to go. And I know how hard that can feel. So validation is just like showing them empathy, showing them compassion, showing them understanding. Like, I get that this does not feel good. And I get that disappointment does not feel good. Now, after you have validated them, listened to them and listened to them, sometimes they're not always kicking and screaming. Sometimes they're actually telling you, why this is upsetting. And sometimes you'll learn also, like with me, when I listen to my children, there are times that I'll say, okay, it's time to turn off the TV. You guys have had an hour. And when I listen to my children, they'll tell me, 
they won't say I'm disappointed because, but they'll say, mom, that's not fair. Yesterday you told us that if we cleaned up our room, we would get an hour and a half today, right? And I forgot that I told them that. So I get that. And I wanna be someone of my word. So now that I've listened to them, you can have the extra half hour. At the end of the half hour, if you're disappointed again, I can listen to why, but it is time to turn it off. So we wanna listen to them, we wanna validate them. Then we wanna provide perspective. Now, one thing that I do with my children and adults really, and I recommend that you do it as well, is ask them the question, are you willing to hear what I have to say? Because there is no sense in spending your time and energy saying anything that's gonna fall on deaf ears. And if your child is still dysregulated in this moment that you wanna provide perspective, like they're not hearing anything you have to say. This actually happened yesterday at the beach with my husband and my daughter, my four-year-old Matilda. Y'all are going to get to know Matilda through this podcast. She's a handful, (laughs) y'all. But we were at the beach and she thought it would be a good idea and a lot of fun to throw sand at people. I think it's a horrible idea. I don't like it. I don't love it. I'm the one that has to clean the sand out of all the crevices and out of all the hair and it's coming into my car and in my bath. So I actually really hate it. But my husband kind of stopped her quick and, you know, he's more of the authoritarian. Is that the right word? So he's like, hey, stop throwing that sand. Stop throwing that sand. And then he went and he snatched her up and he put her on her lap. And she was still at the point where she was so busy throwing sand and having fun that she actually did not hear him say, don't throw that sand. And I know that as parents, a lot of times we don't want to believe that they don't hear us, but I'm watching her. I can see that she is not hearing anybody or anything. She's just having a good old time throwing sand at people. And then when he snatched her up, y'all, I don't know if I'm the only one, but can you imagine what it would be like (laughs) to just be living your life and having a good time? And all of a sudden you're in the air and like your arms are hurting because somebody done snatched you up. Like I, I get kind of snatching your children up and moving them when they are doing things that are dangerous. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't have snatched her up because she was throwing sand in people's hair, in people's eyes. But to expect that they are just going to get snatched up and not start kicking and screaming and fighting, like if anybody snatched me up from anywhere, my brain is going to tell my body that I'm in danger and I'm probably going to fight that. I'm probably not just going to be snatched up and be like, oh, what did you want to tell me? Did you want to have a conversation? So he snatches her up. She's kicking and screaming and trying to get out of his arms and doing the worm thing that they do where they like turn into a limp fish and try to slide out of your arms. And he's like kind of lecturing her while she's doing it. And he's like, you don't throw sand in people's hair. That's dirty. We're going to have to wash it out. Da, 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 da. And then he's like, when you tell me that you're not going to throw sand anymore, then I'll let you go back and play. And she's still just like, let go of me, let go of me, let go of me. And so he sits her down and then he's like, oh no, he told her, tell, when, when you're ready, tell me yes, sir, or something like that. Or he tells her, tell me yes, sir, often. So all of a sudden she's like, sits down and she's like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And he's like, okay then. And I'm like, wait, babe, ask her if she even heard what you said. And he's like, did you hear what I said? And she was like, yes, you said, yes, sir. (laughs) And I'm like, she didn't hear none of what you said, none of the lecture, none of this perspective of sand going in people's hair and eyes because she was dysregulated while you were busy giving her this perspective. So while number two is providing perspective, 
We want to make sure that we're doing it in a moment when they can actually receive the words that we have to say and the perspective that we want to share. So if they're still dysregulated and they're upset, work on getting them regulated first. This may mean giving them time and space. It may mean giving them a hug. It may mean validating them. It may mean taking a few breaths with them or putting on some calming music. Once you get them regulated, once you've listened to them, validated them, ask them if they're willing to hear what you have to say and then provide them with a different perspective. In the case of watching TV, because that's been the example I've been using, you can provide them with the perspective of when are you going to be able to watch TV again? Do we watch TV every day? I hate to admit it, but we do. We watch TV every day. So even though you're disappointed that it's going off today, you know that you're going to be able to watch it tomorrow. And this is actually, this type of perspective is really important, especially the younger the child, because children don't yet have a great grasp on time. So for them, turning off the TV may actually feel like a forever thing or whatever the disappointment is. For us, we logically can be like, girl, you're going to get this tomorrow or you get to do this in two days. For them, I know my four-year-old still say stuff like, mommy, can I have this on my birthday when the sun comes up? And their birthday is like 278 days away. But they just said when the sun comes up. (laughs) And like, I know that they don't actually think their birthday is tomorrow when the sun comes up. But I recognize that they don't understand 365 days. They just had a birthday, May 31st. Y'all, they've been, they're planning their Incredibles birthday next year. Every day since their birthday, it's driving me nuts. I'm going to research that one and come back to y'all on how we deal with time and perspective with that. So when it comes to our children and providing perspective, we want to be able to help them. We have to give them what we have. We have to give them what we know. If we understand how time works, if we understand when something is happening again, we have to share that with them and give them that perspective because most likely as much as we think this is obvious and they should understand this, they probably don't understand it and they probably don't have a clear grasp on it. So we want to listen to our children, validate them, help them regulate, and then provide perspective. After we provide perspective, and I will throw in there that sometimes they don't want to hear what we have to say. Sometimes they are choosing to be upset. And I will ask my children, are you just choosing to be upset right now? And they'll say yes. And I'll say, okay, that's okay. Let me know when you're ready to talk. Let me know when you want to hear what I have to say. I'll be here when you're ready. Um, And then after that, we want to seek solutions. So this is the same thing for an adult. We want to move on from the disappointment. We want to seek solutions. And we do this by empowering ourselves. So if, again, the example is time to turn off the TV, I don't want to just leave my children with their disappointment, telling them to breathe, offering them a hug. I don't just want to leave them with that. I want to offer them a solution. And again, this is the type of thing that I would invite them into And this allows them to learn how to think past the disappointment. It allows them to learn how to manage and plan and, you know, move past the disappointment. So I'll ask them, what are some choices that are available right now? What are some things we can do right now? Rather than just telling them the TV's going off, but you can do this. I'll ask them, what are some things we can do right now? And then I'll get into conversation with them. And all of a sudden, they start to think about different things that they can do, whether that be going outside or here's one that I actually 
don't love because I'd be tired also, but sometimes they want you to play with them, right? <laughs> like the TV is not there. So mommy, can you play a game with me? Now, I really don't want to, but for the sake of moving on from disappointment and not having to add a second disappointment on top of the last one, I'm going to say, yes, let's play a game. And when I do this, I'm going to maybe tell them at the beginning, like, I'll play with you for 15 minutes or I'll play with you for 10 minutes or whatever my capacity is. And then I'll play with them. So there's a wealth of things that they can do to move past the disappointment, but it's about helping them seek the solutions and find what they can do. So again, they can learn how to deal with disappointment throughout life. And all of these things, they're not easy at the start. You know, it it is not easy to deal with the upset for me. Like it literally triggers me in my body when my children start to whine and cry. I don't like it. But I also recognize that I come from an era of telling us that our negative emotions were not good, that we shouldn't have them, that we should shut them off. So I'm dealing with lessons that I've been taught and having to unlearn that and having to be very conscious and intentional on how I want to address them. And sometimes this requires me to take a breath or to walk away for a moment or to hide in the bathroom for a second to get myself together to be able to help them and walk them through. But, you know, last thing that I want to kind of close out with is, I reference Inside Out because I do love the movie and I love how sadness was like the tool in the movie. Sadness was the one who created the solutions and who got, I think the little girl's name is Riley, who got her to where she needed to go and who at the end of the day, like saves the day. And I share that because our negative emotions, they're not bad. Like they don't feel good to feel and we're not comfortable dealing with them, but they are not bad by themselves. They are usually a system of navigation to help us to get to something better. So I personally think that it is incredibly important, and I know that I'm not alone in this thought, but it is so important to teach our children how to get comfortable with those uncomfortable feelings, how to be okay with them, how to accept them, and then how to use them as tools for navigation to getting to something better. So I hope you all learned something today. I hope that this was beneficial to you. I hope that this was the peak of your day. Um, And I hope you're able to implement some of these tools with yourself dealing with disappointment and with your children dealing with disappointment so we can all not be disappointed (laughs) and be able to move on from disappointment and have, you know, seemingly happy lives. Your homework this week is to recognize what your triggers mean to you. So I know that a lot of you are like me and that the crying and the way that the disappointment manifests itself, I know that it is a trigger for us. I want you to spend some time trying to figure out why it triggers you. And once you can figure out why it triggers you, it will help you to be able to better navigate through that so that you can show up for your child the way that you want to, to be able to help them with their disappointments. And lastly, if you guys have any topics you want me to talk about or any questions, you can always DM me on Instagram or you can send in your questions to our Google Forms, which is in the show notes. So looking forward to connecting with you guys soon. Take care, everybody. Peace. Parenting for the Culture is executive produced by Cody and Tommy Oliver. Our senior producer is Crystal Hill. Art is by Koi Madison. Parenting for the Culture is a Black Love Podcast Network production. 